Hi, everybody. This is Charlie from Thriving School Community Podcast. We have Jonathan Alzheimer here today. Oh my gosh, the energy is going to be awesome. Jonathan, welcome. Hey, awesome. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I say this anytime I get a chance to talk education, man. If you don't get excited about talking education, you're in the wrong profession. I love this stuff, so let's do it. Yeah, well, you actually are someone who's still in the classroom, but you do so much other work. Like, okay, so we have to dive in. First of all, where do you teach? And tell us about that school. I know it's pretty awesome. Yeah, so um, I teach in Northern Virginia. I actually teach at the Chancellor Middle School. I come from working with Hamish Brewer at Fred Lynn Middle School. And if you're familiar with our story, there's a couple of podcasts about our school, Relentless, Relentless Chasing Accreditation. And then I made the shift to live closer to my family because I was commuting like an hour and a half one way. Matter of fact, my wife is still doing that commute. Wow. Yeah, Northern Virginia traffic is legit. If you're from Northern Virginia, you know what I'm talking about right now. You're like, 95 is crazy. Preach it, brother. But anyway, <laughs> um, I work at the Chancellor Middle School. I teach sixth grade U.S. history. And man, I just I love what I do. And I, I get a chance to do all this other cool stuff. But I'm a classroom teacher at heart. Yeah, I mean... You really do love what you do. You can tell. So so that note, people understand where I met Jonathan is we were at a conference together and you were the keynote, of course, and you just love teaching and you love sharing your message with other teachers so they can level up their practice, right? I mean, where does that come from, Jonathan? You know, that's a great question. I think, um, you know, everybody at some point in their life, if they're in the game of education, like I like to call it a game because, you know, I don't like to say it's work. I don't like to say I'm going to my job because then, you know, you, you kind of it's like one of those things where it's like, oh, work. No one likes to go to work, but everybody likes to play games. So if you're in the game of education, man, like it's it's tough. It's tough right now for everybody in every facet. And I feel like if you are in this, then you really have to have a really sound foundation as to why, like what's your why. And that sounds so cliche to say it like that. We've heard that a million times, like. Everybody talks about their why, right? And uh, but for me, that's that's really that's really where it comes from. You know, I got two little girls, um, and so for me, I think often my wife and I are both teachers, and I come from a family of teachers, and we kind of talk in a way that's like, if not us, then who? And you know, the world of education is dealing with a lot of stresses that are you know not uh, not you know they're whether it's law stuff, whether it's lack of salary, whether it's you know kids coming off of years of COVID. There's a million different things that we're dealing with trying to lesson plan, trying to make things engaging, building relationships. And for me, it really comes down to like, how would I want my kids to have in terms of like their environment in the classroom? And then I think about my own education growing up, like, man, like for me, you know, people kind of threw me into a box as a kid. And because um, I came from a family of educators, uh, my brothers, I had two brothers and a sister, they're all straight A kids, like they're all phenomenal professionals, like and I just wasn't that kid. Like I was that kid who worked hard, try hard. I would do everything for you. You know what I mean? But for me, education was just tough. Academics was tough. I was not a good test taker. And, and I think about all these different things, whether it was my history, my kid's history. And I think, man, what do I want? What, if these kids were my kids, if my kids were in my classroom, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, imagine that you do, I guess. You know, if it was your family in your classroom, like what would you want that experience to look like? Matter of fact, for me as, a, as an educator myself, if I'm sitting in the front row, back row, side row, out in the hallway, what kind of teacher would I want to see? And what would make me be excited to show up? What would make me want to be there? And for me, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not about being perfect. Like I would prefer a teacher that's excited about teaching math who might not like that. The lesson today might be <laughs> Might not go right, you know what I mean? But they're just excited for it. They're going to try new things. 
rather than doing the same old, same old. And that's where that fire for me comes from. Just I, you know, until, until, you know, I'm an old guy and decide to, you know, hang it up. Like I'm going to show up and I'm going to be as much as I can for the kids that I teach. And I'm going to bring that love and that fire. And hopefully, hopefully I can spark a love of education in their hearts and in their minds and hopefully empower them to be whatever it is that they want to be. Wow. Well, and I'll tell you, when you leave your keynote, if you're an educator, you are sparked, like you are on fire. And I love that. So you must come across teachers or, or leaders, because I know you work with leaders a lot, a lot as well, to help them inspire other educators, because there's a lot feeling very deflated, a lot of teachers feeling deflated. How do you get them to get that spark again? You know, I think... Um... I mean, part of it, the easy answer to that is to say like, oh, remember your why. You know what I mean? Like that's the easy answer. But I think for me, as it relates to leadership, I think I'm going to break this down into a two-part answer here. Number one, I like to break all leadership down into two perspectives. All right. One is you're going to take the people that you have and you try to inflame the amazingness in your building. That's number one. Number two, you're going to lead by example. And people are going to follow that example. And you have to give them a reason to follow you. But oftentimes, whether you're talking teachers or whether you're talking leaders, we kind of fall into this category where we see what we want so far off in the distance. We want a successful classroom or school culture or like, geez, the school year is just so long. And we're trying to figure out how to get there. But we're just like, there's all these other things in the way. It's interesting. I was on social media recently and I heard this guy talk about this book and I and I and Unfortunately, I don't remember the name of the book. Um, I think something about like the boy and the horse and the something. I don't know. <laughs> and he made a great analogy. And it was this. He was talking about how in the story, there was a quote and the horse is talking to the boy as they're approaching this forest. And the boy's like, I can't see. I can't, I can't see where we're going. The forest is too thick. And the horse says, uh, look down. Can you see your next step? Can you see the next step we need to take? And the boy says, yeah. And he goes, then that's the only step we have to worry about. Yeah. And it's just one step at a time. Like, and again, it sounds kind of cliche, but really it's the truth, man. One class at a time, one day at a time, one kid at a time, one moment of a, of a school day at a time. And if we focus on those and we really make it our mission, like, what do I want this day to look like? I mean, you really got to answer that question. If you're a school leader, what do you want it to look like? And you can't lead from behind a desk, just like you can't teach from behind a desk. What do you want it to look like? And then take it one moment, one step, one kid, one event, and one day at a time. And then the next thing you know, slowly but surely, if you make it, and you got to make it your mission. Like you can't just go into a, it's just like when you're teaching a class. I, I think that the conversation around school leadership, whether you're talking teachers, whether you're talking school leaders, and if you're talking mental health or you're talking your classroom, whatever it is, quite frankly, if you think of it all like an actual classroom, man, it all fits like a perfect puzzle. Like you cannot go in and teach any subject and just wing it. You can't. Like you have to have a game plan. Then of course you're going to offshoot and do all this different stuff. You might think, man, this is not working. I'm going to just go in this direction. Then all of a sudden it's awesome. Maybe it's not. Maybe it falls apart. Who knows? But you have a game plan and you're going to, and you're going to follow that game plan. First, I'm going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And then we're going to do this. And this is going to hit this thing that I need to hit. Right. Same as leaders. You know, same as school leaders as in terms of teachers, in terms of office staff, in terms of our administrative team. Like we have to go in every single day and go, okay, what's our mission today? What are we trying to accomplish today? 
And we have to have a plan of attack. You can't expect your teachers to come in with a perfect lesson plan or a lesson plan that's like engaging with kids if we're not thinking the same way as school leaders. That's where leading by example is, right? You're going to come in with a plan. You're going to do the certain things you need to do. You're going to you're going to spark the greatness in your school. You're going to find teachers that are going to, you know, whatever you're going to do, right? Every school is different. Every situation is different. But then at the same time, you're going to lead by example. I want my teachers to do this, so I'm going to do this. And again, one step at a time, one day at a time, one kid at a time. Hmm. Yeah. And in this case, too, if you're an educational leader, let's say you're leading a building, right? And you've got a bunch of teachers who say, I'm overwhelmed. I don't have time to look at that plan. I don't have time to come up with something new, right? And people get stuck in that. So if you're working with a leader, how do you help them help teachers manage their overwhelm? You know, that's a great question. And I'm going to give you an answer. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> Jimmy's going to probably just be like, Jonathan, be quiet. <laughs> so so um, I'm going to give a snippet of a book that I'm working on. And I'm ha- I happen to be working on it with Jimmy. And, I'm, and I'll be honest, like I'm a little delayed on it because I'm a teacher first. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the game plan originally was this bad boy was going to come out sooner rather than later. But we're, I'm still working on it. Fair but enough. I'm thinking of like, what's a tangible thing I can give my staff that can take the pressure off, what can, that can take the the stress of the of the planning off? Because I'll be honest, man, I've been in this game for, shoot, I was talking to a person the other day and I was like, how many years have I been teaching? Is it 14 now? I, I've lost track. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'd like to think I'm relatively decent at the stuff that I do, right? So, and in that, and in that like, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw that out there. I'm relatively decent. I'm not the best. I am certainly like the lowest on the totem pole as it comes to technology. Like I started my educational experience and they're like, here's an expo marker. Now like make it all happen. Like there was no <laughs> computers for everybody. Dude, half the time when I turned on my computer, my Wi-Fi, my room went out. Like what was, I couldn't do any of that stuff. Right. So I had to think of like really simple things to enhance student engagement. And and so then in my journey of education, I've, I've sat down, I've thought, man, like what am I going to do next Wednesday? Like, I know what I'm going to teach. Like, I, that's not the problem. I know the unit plan. I know what I got to do. I can look at last year's stuff, but I'm looking at that and I'm going, ah, like, I know that that's just boring. Like, I'm going to be bored teaching it. They're going to be bored learning. What can I do? Or I know I got to have these kids do something I know they're not going to want to do. I got to get them to analyze this text or do this research thing. But like, ah, uh, like I know it's going to not be great. How can I enhance that in a way that's simple? So I'm not planning for forever. I don't know what to do. So I came up with the solution that I'm working on with my book. And if you, and when the book comes out, there's no title yet, but when the book comes out at some point in the future, probably end of this upcoming school year, um, it's going to be chock full and loaded of awesome. simple lesson plans. Now the game plan great. quite simply is this, think of it like this. Can you imagine school leaders, first of all, having this book that we're going to come out with that's loaded with ideas for your staff, and it's going to have a format that's going to essentially give instructional coaches and admin teams the idea of, okay, what you can do is you can have your teams in your school, um, whether it be your grade level teams or your content teams. Imagine if every single team came up with just one lesson plan a quarter, just like one cool activity, all right? Like everybody sits down with their PLCs every week and they're crunching out all these unit plans. Well, what was one thing this quarter that just was was good? Not like something that like I can only do in my math class or I can only do in my science class, but like something that's kind of anybody can use, adapt, modify, and, and, and make good with their kids, depending on whatever level or content they teach, right? And then we're going to take that and we're going to build a living document. Now, whether that's a actual book or whether that's a Google Doc, because every school does things differently, like a living, breathing document that... Jonathan Alshimer can sit down on 
week, whatever of the school year and just scroll through and go, man, that looks cool. I want to try. I want to try. I've never tried an escape room or I've never tried, you know, grudge ball or I've never tried, you know, human bingo. I mean, the list, I've never tried stinky feet, like all these weird (laughs) names stuff, like, but they're all adaptable to what you're teaching. Now, all of a sudden you're giving your staff something that holy cow, they can flip through and use. And maybe they don't want to, maybe they know what they're going to do. But in the event that every single teacher, I don't care how good you are. I don't care how many years you've taught. There's been a day where you're like, I don't know what I want to do tomorrow. I don't know what I want to do next week. So now you look into this piece and, and the whole book is going to be designed at giving these school leaders essentially a template to do that with a ton of lesson plans to start with. But likewise, let's take it a step further for a minute. As an educator, one of the things that bothers me the most now, again, like I'm going to say this, I'm just gonna be honest. Like I am a, I'm a, I'm a person who talks about education, but I'm still doing it. So I feel like I can be really, really honest with our listeners and say this. Like one of the things that drives me the most crazy, and I don't mean like it happens at my school every day. I don't mean it happens at my school. Matter of fact, my my principal, Dr. Frazier, she is unbelievable. John Florup, they're unbelievable. They run the school so well. I mean, we we it, we don't have like meaningless meetings and things like that. But over the course of my career, I've run into this, right? Where you've had meaningless meetings where you're like, why couldn't this be an email? Or why are we doing this? Like, it's clear we're checking a box. And, and administrators can, un, can live with, can understand this too, because there's probably been times where they're working with their, su- their superintendents or maybe their superintendents are doing stuff where like, we all understand this meeting probably doesn't have to happen. So let's get rid of meaningless meetings and let's make our meetings more meaningful. Meaning this, let's give, let's use our meetings as a way for teachers and let's make them quick as for teachers to kind of sit back and learn something that they can use. So in the same understanding of this whole simple engagement strategies to enhance student engagement in the classroom. What if administrators are walking around the school and while they're walking around the school, because they should be in classrooms left and right. They should be down the hall working with kids. They should get a mobile desk, bring your laptop, sitting in a, sitting in a classroom, doing your work while you're watching the teacher for 10 minutes and then leave and go check out another one. Right. And you're not, and it's not a got you moment. It's a, I want to, I'm here to support you. I want to see what you're doing. That's great. And when you see these great things, all right, now ask that teacher that did that cool lesson activity. Now have them present it to the staff at the staff meeting, not like a 14 minute long thing. Not like, here's my lesson plan. That's 45 pages long. Like no one's going to read that. Like, let's be honest. No one, I'm not reading it. I'm throwing it out. Right. (laughs) Let's make it a quick, like PowerPoint thing. Maybe your instructional coach sets it up where your teacher stands up and goes, all right, maybe you got a picture. Maybe the admin is in there and they're, and they're taking video of what happened. All right, check out this video and check out this lesson plan. And I'm going to walk you through it for two minutes and you guys can use it, steal it, modify it, make it better that I can steal it from you. Next thing you know, like you have a 20 minute staff meeting, not an hour long staff meeting and people are walking away with three or four lesson activities. Maybe it's just two, every staff meeting, two lesson plans are going to be presented. And we're just going to keep building that living, breathing document that teachers can work off of. Not only is this going to relieve the pressures of education, relieve the pressures of teaching, take a lot of my anxiety out of trying to figure out how to make lessons cool. I've been teaching 14 years. I don't know the new cool stuff that these college kids are doing. Now I can steal it off of them, right? And that's going to help my mental health because my goodness, now I don't have to go home and plan for 45 hours. Now I can steal from the science teacher down the hallway who knows what they're doing. And now I can look like I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's a win-win for everybody. 
Yeah. And I love how you say that to utilize every staff meeting that way, because that actually would keep people invested and looking forward to those meetings. I think, I mean, I remember that for sure. And I also think in in addition to like keeping people invested, like I like how you said that it's, it's keeping people invested. It's also building educational community. Like teachers feel like I am part of this meeting. I am part of this school because you are hearing me. You're giving teachers a platform to say, because I'm not in everybody's class. I'm a teacher. Like, I don't know what the eighth grade math teacher's doing or the, you know, the third grade, what, you know, I don't know what they're all doing because I'm doing my thing. I'm planning with my team. Now, all of a sudden I'm seeing, it's almost like I'm visiting their classrooms too. And if I'm presenting it now, I'm showing what I'm doing. Like, look at guys, like I might not have 50 great ideas, but here's a great one. Now let's all work together. Y'all can steal it, you know, and, and, and we can work together and build what we're doing. So as a school, we don't feel like we're on an island. And I feel like sometimes in some schools, teachers feel like they're on an island. Let's give teachers an avenue. Let's give teachers a platform to feel like they're working together as a team because it's a team. That's what we are. We're a team. We rise together as a team or we fall as a team. But let's rise together as a team. Keep giving our teachers something to take the pressure off so we can move forward together. That's awesome, Jonathan. Yeah, it is a great sense of community because then it, it opens up conversations with each other. And then it does, it does inspire each other to say, oh my gosh, I loved what you're talking about here. Can you show me this? Or can I visit your classroom? It does. It just brings that community together. It's so important. I love it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a sign on your door that I noticed and it has to do with grades. Can you talk yeah. about that? Yes. So I've had that sign on my door for my whole career. I think I probably put that sign up year two. And um, the sign says, and it's been every year it goes up. um, I don't care about grades. I care about effort. And man, I underline and highlight that word effort. You can come into my classroom, matter of fact, and ask my kids. Now, granted, for me, it's summer. We just got out last week. (laughs) (laughs) But if you came into my classroom at any given time and you said, I could post on my social media, what's the number one word in Mr. Alzheimer's room? They will say effort. Every single child will. So I don't care about grades. I care about effort. I don't care if the answer is wrong. Uh, Don't give up. Don't stop. Make it the best wrong answer you've ever seen. And for me as an educator... I mean, it's the same with education too. It's same with teaching. Like I know I'm going to talk from the student perspective here in a second, but same with teaching. Like, I don't care if your classroom's perfect, man, make it the best imperfect classroom you possibly can as a teacher. You know what I mean? With your lesson planning and whatever you're building relationships with kids, like go for it, do your best. Like, let's make this work. Um, But in terms of the kids themselves, for me as an educator, it came from my like growing up, um, quite frankly, like I just... I grew up as a young kid who um, struggled academically. Um, I didn't. I didn't struggle honestly with your typical things, classwork, getting information like that. I could figure it out. You know, if there's if there's one thing I can do is I can learn new stuff. Like that's not the problem. The problem for me was always that test. And growing up for me, it was really just here's a multiple choice test. You know, right. if you gave me an essay, my goodness, like let's go. I could do that all day. I could talk all day. Give me a project where I'm standing up. You know, I can get this the straight A kid who's shaking in his boots, man, hands me the mic. Done. <laughs> Got this. But you give me a multiple choice test or a test like that, man, I, I probably would have made a good lawyer because I would be like in my own head. Mm, you know, this bad. is wrong because this or this might be right or these two might be right now. And so then I struggled. And then what happened was I got in my own head knowing I struggled. And then I did worse. And then every time I had an assessment, didn't matter. Even now, even now as an adult, I, I, I went to 
went through high school and fought my way through high school. I mean, I graduated with probably a C average, you know, C plus average, you know, B, B minus at best on a good day. But I remember I went into college and I struggled in college. I started to figure it out. And then I got to my first grad uh, degree and I got, I was one B shy of a perfect 4.0. Like I had just figured it out. I knew how to take a test. And then I got to my second, which was an educational leadership and I got a perfect 4.0. So like, and it didn't come without fighting, man. I still got nervous on every single test and everything I did, but you know, I just figured it out over the course of time. And, and for me as an educator too often, what we have is we have kids who come into our classrooms with the same situation mentally as I did. And what they do is they know they feel really quick because as they go through school, man, in Virginia, kids are taking state tests in third grade. Like what? Right. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm all for, and don't get me wrong. Like when y'all heard that quote or y'all hear me speaking right now, like I am not a, here's a, here's a, you know, a trophy for trying kind of guy. That's not me. I'm all about, I love healthy competition. I love when kids are, you know, competing for an A, like individually compete. Like I don't necessarily mean like it has to be a competition in the classroom, but what I mean is like, we're not handing out trophies for not trying. Like for me, you know, if you earn an A, you get an A. If you earn a Z minus, you get a Z minus. But at the end of the day, here's what I want. I don't want a kid walking to my door and thinking, I'm just a number. I'm going to fail. I always did. I always will. I'm quitting now. Because that was me. In ninth grade, I essentially quit school. I went, but I was a robot. I was just there to play baseball and basketball and, you know, get through the day because, and it wasn't because I was like, I hate school and school's dumb. And this is what, it wasn't that it was this, I showed up and I was like, it doesn't matter how hard I try. I came to the realization that I'm going to struggle on your test. I'll probably not do well on it. And then you're going to look at me like I'm an average person, mm. not like, and, and I started to feel that. And even if there was teachers in my life, I had great teachers too. I had great teachers too, but there were teachers in my life that like, they were like, good job, Jonathan or whatever. And, and, and I could see in their facial expression, they were frustrated and I get it. Like you're a teacher trying to like, you got somebody breathing down your neck too, about your scores. Yeah. I get it. And, but I was just like, you know what, man, I'm done with this. Like, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how nice I am. You're just going to look at me like I'm a number. So I'm going to treat, I'm just going to treat school. Like it's just to get through it until the after school where I can go to baseball practice. And, um, and then I had teachers that didn't give up on me. Like my parents never gave up on me and I came from a great support. But I had teachers that were like, listen, man, you're going to go to tutoring. Listen, man, you're going to do this and do that and do this. And thankfully, I made it through and I learned it, right? But what happens, I, I distinctly remember a student that got shifted into my classroom. And this is when I was teaching at Fredland Middle School. And this young lady came to my classroom. And she had this look on her face when she got moved into my classroom. Like, I don't care. It was the same look I had. I was like, yeah. I, I always talk to kids like on the side, like I brought her out in the hallway and I'm like, listen, tell me a little bit about yourself. Do you get in trouble? Like, how hard do you try? And I said, I want to, I want to know the truth. Like, don't, don't sugarcoat it for me. And she goes, all right, I'll be honest with you. And she basically said the same thing that I grew up thinking. And I was like, wow. we can't have that. You know? Yeah. And I said, and, and I said, look at this sign right here. I had the sign on my door. I said, listen, here's how it is. You give me everything you got every single day. I mean, efforts, number one. That means if I give you an assignment, you work hard on it. If I give you, and I walk through it, like there's no like work hard and that's it. Like right. we talk incessantly about it. Like I want you to know what my expectation is and you better make it happen or I'm going to call your mama and she's going to sit in the chair next to you and she's going to bother you because I'm not babysitting you. Effort is what I expect, period. And if you get an A, great. But if you're an A student and you're lazy, we're going to have a problem. I want, cause eventually you're going to go on to college. You're going to find something that you're not just good at, and then you're going to fall apart. I'd rather have a kid who struggles on getting stuff done, but works so hard for me because they're going to figure it out and they're going to be the one who gets the promotion later in life. 
Elon Musk says, I didn't go to Harvard, but a lot of people who work for me did. Right. <laughs> yeah. So here's how it goes. For me, quite frankly, it's about like this kid. I said, I said all these things to this young lady. And she goes, You're telling me that all I got to do is work really hard for you and you're going to be proud of me. That's it. You don't care. And I said, Yes, ma'am. And she goes, Okay. And she came in and throughout the course of the year, she got great grades. And then she said at the end of the year, she goes, Mr. Alzheimer, you're the first teacher I've ever studied for in my life. Wow. Because I didn't treat her like a number. And and to me, that that takes the pressure off the student because I'll tell you what, I remember another instance where a young lady, and I talk, and I occasionally I'll throw this in my keynote where this young lady, we used to do tests on iPads and the kids had, and I made the kids, you have to show me your score. I don't care what it is if you put in the work, but I'm going to know one way or the other because I'm watching what you do in the classroom. And if you didn't put in the work, then you're going to call your mom, right? Or your dad or your grandma or whoever you live with. Um, but if you put in the work, regardless of what it is, I'm going to say, good job, you know, fist bump and go back to your seat. So this young lady came by and she didn't want to show me her score. She put her iPad away. And long story short, I asked her a couple of times, young lady, what'd you get on your test? And she started to cry, walked out of the room. And I went outside in the hallway and she, long story short, said I didn't, she wouldn't tell me. And then finally she said, I don't want you to not be proud of me. I don't want you to be frustrated with me. And then um, I said, young lady, what'd you get on your test? And she got like a D plus. And I said, and I went through it. I was like, you did everything. And this is the truth. I said, you did everything you could for me all unit long. You worked so hard. And when they had their project, she tried to find a way to make their project better. I literally remember her saying, let's do this. Mr. Alzheimer loves when we do different stuff. Awesome. I smiled, said nothing. And then when they turned in their project, I was like, this is awesome. I saw it. And I quietly said it to her. I was like, I saw what you did. So in the hallway, I pointed that out. And she was in tears. I gave her a little side hug. And I said, after school, let's call your mom. And for those kids that struggle the same way I do, man, let me tell you what, because what we're doing is we're not teaching. We're not just teaching content in school. We're teaching character. We're building these kids up. We're trying to empower them. Man, if they're quitting in fourth grade because of a state test score and the way their teacher makes them feel, it's over. If they're quitting in middle school, if they're quitting in high school, like I don't, I'd rather have a kid work hard and, and feel that love all the way through, man. Every single kid, I just put this tweet out, like Every single kid deserves to have a teacher that loves teaching and loves them and makes them feel like if they're not there, like the teacher's day is ruined. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah, if, that message that what, message is powerful. Yes, yeah. and if that's what it was like, oh my gosh, imagine what kids would just be coming to school and they would just feel a whole lot different. And this whole you know school mental health thing, like that's part of it right there. You can buy all these programs, but at the heart of it, like how are we making these kids feel? And I think that's a big big moment in their day when when they do something in the moments where they succeed do they feel that love and in the moments where they struggle and they every kid man I don't care if they pretend like they don't want to look at you I mean they're looking like what's their reaction you know and if and if they actually did work hard you know what I mean I'm not I'm not talking about the kid who slacked off that's a whole nother ball game a whole nother story yes. that's a whole nother thing to talk about but for the kids that are working hard and they're trying not every day they might not be perfect but they're trying and they're all of a sudden they do that side eye what's the reaction if the reaction is, listen, I see you, I care about you, I love you, we'll figure it out tomorrow. We'll pick it back up tomorrow, right? And that's going to change them completely. Absolutely. Well, and I know we're we're not going to have a lot of time here, but I, I do think we need to address that real quick because I think you have a great solution for those who do not give the effort. So we have to address that. Real quick, Jonathan, what would you do with the kid who does not want to put the effort forth for you? Or for you know, themselves, a, it really is about themselves. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's actually I, I can give you a quick version. That's a long conversation. Yeah, it is. I, I know. That's, I did. That's it okay. Is that's okay. 
you know, for me, it's a combination of, I, I like to think of like, <laughs> it's like ice, I'm chipping away at the ice, you know what I mean? And it's a combination of a couple of different things. Number one, it's building a real relationship with that student and trying to figure out like, what's their reasoning? Because for me, what I've come to realize is we're so quick to judge, but at the end of the day, oftentimes that kid's doing whatever they're doing and there's a reason behind it, whether it's personal trauma, family trauma, there's something, there's something, maybe Maybe there was a convert, maybe their family's awesome, but there was this conversation they had in school that threw them off. Like, I don't know what it is. Or maybe they're just not interested in school because it's always to them been not interesting. So for me, you know, obviously the 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 easy answer is calling the parents and bringing them in and have, but it's really, it's really like, how can I make my classroom a little bit different for that kid? And again, that's where this simple engagement hacks. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask that kid point blank, like, what gets you excited about life? What is it? Like, what do you like to do? Is it, is it music? Is it video games? Is it sports? Is it like, what is it? And then over those conversations, and I'm going to look at every single kid from the stickers on their laptop to the things that they wear, the shirts, and I'm going to try to figure out a way to just build a relationship with that kid. Because oftentimes what you'll see is this, you'll have a kid who has no interest in your classroom, but you built a relationship. And then all of a sudden now they're starting to be more interested in your classroom. Or, or you have a kid, you just can't, it's, I'm, you're, I'm struggling to build a relationship with this kid. Nothing I do works for that relationship piece. You know what? Now, all of a sudden I'm doing some cool activities and through that student engagement, now they're like, I don't want to like this teacher for whatever the reason, but this class is just a little bit different and I can't help but be engaged. And then the next thing you know, they're smiling in the classroom and then you're building a relationship whether they want it or not. And slowly, but surely you chip away at that. I've had kids that gave me no effort over the course of the year. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter rang and now they're just doing a little bit more and they're just doing a little bit more. And, and it's not about, and let's be honest, like we got to understand this. It's not about like, you're not going to turn that kid into, you know, super lazy guy and, or girl into like, you know, Einstein working 45 hours a day. That's not going to happen. Yeah. But if you can chip away at it and give them something or find a way to spark that flame, even if it's a little bit, then we keep the momentum going each and every year. Mm -hmm. That is so true. And we keep hearing these messages over and over. We have to have these reminders because it really does come down to that relationships and engagement, relationships, engagement, and engagement is so different for every kid, but there are ways that we can set up our classroom by getting to know each kid. It's we've learned it. We just have to keep doing it. So I'm so grateful for your message. And I do love the message that we're giving permission for effort and not the grade, the effort, because we know the grade comes. And also Jonathan, this is super important. What you're doing is you're, you're reaching into that intrinsic motivation for these kids. Eventually. I see that. I hear that. And are you, are you experiencing that as well? Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's, it's trying to pull that out, you know, then they, then all of a sudden they're doing it for themselves and not for a piece of candy or something like that. They're doing it because they see like the fruits of their labor paying off and they're like, man, this is working. Holy cow. You know? And yeah. it's exciting to see that light go on. That's awesome. Yeah. Because you're helping them not only showing that you're proud of them, but they deserve to have pride, like not in a prideful way and a negative way, but they deserve to be proud of themselves. Absolutely. Every kid, every single kid deserves to come into school and feel success. Every single kid deserves to come into school and have a teacher that's going to fight for them. Every single kid deserves to come in and feel valued and loved and seen, whether that's they're getting their A's or they had that. Maybe it's all they did today was spell their name right, man. But we're going to celebrate that moment in time and keep building upon what keep building upon it and building upon it and building upon it until we have 
our student moving on from grade to grade to grade. And they start to just realize that, man, this is a thing I want to continue. This is a thing I want to continue to fight for my own education in my own dreams, whatever those are. Great. Wow. Okay. Well, is there anything you'd like to mention about the other work that you do with UFC fighters, celebrities, clothing brands, anything? <laughs> I know you got a lot going on. Yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like I've done, you know, there's been a lot of things I've been involved in and things I've worked, you know, if you, if you followed my story at all, like, yeah, I brought, you know, at Fred Lynn middle school, we brought the UFC in and we had a whole bunch of different stuff we've done with clothing brands. We did a student leadership thing with a clothing brand. Um, but whatever it is, like, I feel like this, I feel like, uh, and I'll say this really quick, because I know that the podcast is running low on time. But quite frankly, it's this, it's, you know, um, you know, we, we tell our kids shoot for the stars and let, you know, let's do all this different stuff. And sometimes it comes off as cliche if they don't see it and things like that. But like, for me, I think, you know, why not try new things? Why not? Like, I, I don't wait, I don't want to do the same old, same old every single day, whether it's in my classroom or in my life. And you know what, the worst I'm going to get to know, shoot, the worst I'm going to get to know. So I'm going to reach out and social media has built literally a bridge for us to work with whomever we want to and meet up with whomever we want to. You know what I mean? So Absolutely. whether it's DMing people or tagging them and be like, hey, like I'm just a school teacher and I just want to see, you know, like I had a, I had a, I had a, 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 an MMA fighter who recently fought for a belt um, like a year or two ago. He, uh, he is uh, a Mexican born fighter and he speaks Spanish and I have a lot of Spanish speakers and he actually, I reached, all I did was reach out via DM and I'm like, listen, man, I got a lot of kids who would love a little like voice of encouragement from you. And sure enough, you know what he did? He sent me a message about a one minute piece just saying, Hey, like you could do anything you want. And he said it in English. And then as soon as he was done, said it in Spanish. And I'll tell you what, man, like that, just, just reach out, just do your thing, man, whatever it is, you know, whether it's a music thing or a sports thing or whatever. And I'm just, I'm all about it. Like whatever, I, I feel like nothing should be off the table in the world of education. And if we show kids, like it's more than just reading from a book man, you know what I mean? And so to see the kids see his message, like those types of things, like, man, like they're like, you know, you hear this all the time, representation matters, you know what I mean? And so when they saw, when they saw his face and he's speaking Spanish and they're like, huh, you know what I mean? It's such an amazing thing. But for me as a teacher, I'm just going to keep reaching out. I'm going to keep trying new things. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but at the end of the day, it's for the kids and I'm down with that. So. Love it. Oh my gosh. You do so much work for kids. I love it. There's so much more for people to learn about you, Jonathan, where do they go to learn more? Because there's, uh, listen, anybody who's, who wants to have this energy in your school, Jonathan does keynotes, but he also does so much more. So Jonathan, how can they find you? Absolutely. So if you're down to just, uh, you know, check out social media stuff, it's at Mr. Under, uh, at, at Mr. Alzheimer, I was going to say underscore at Mr. <laughs> Alzheimer on Instagram and Twitter. I post some of my lesson stuff on there. We can connect on there. Uh, you can go to my website, jonathanalsheimer.com. Yeah, I do keynotes. I do workshops. Um, if you're interested in having a conversation about any of those things, reach out um, and let's work something out. Yeah, because even when when you were at that conference that I was at with you and you did the keynote, you also did leadership workshops. And oh my goodness gracious, there's so much to learn from you. So thank you for your time. I know you're busy. I truly appreciate it. Absolutely. I, I love talking education. So thank you for having me on the show. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, listeners, make sure you go check that out. And then you can go to our website to check out any other things that we're doing as well at thrivingschool.org. But check this guy out. I'm telling you, go follow social media so you can see all the amazing things Jonathan's doing online. All right. Thanks, y'all. See ya.